are you good with tools? Uh, because I am terrible with tools. Uh, I had a kitchen sink that was original to the old house that I lived in, and it had this terrible leak and this drip, drip, drip that only seemed to get louder and louder, and I was determined that I was going to fix it. And so I was gonna replace all of the hardware myself, and so I crawled in underneath the sink, I got my tools together, and I started taking everything apart. I got everything apart, down to this one pipe that I just could not get unstuck. I used all of my strength. I threw everything I had at this one pipe, but it was like it was just fused together. It was impossible. And so after what seemed like hours and hours, my only option was to just put everything back together again. And so I put it all back together and I called in a professional plumbing company. And so uh, they sent someone and they sent a young lady in her early 20s who was much smaller and slight than I am. And within minutes, she had crawled under the sink, had everything taken apart, installed all of the new hardware, and then charged me an arm and a leg for it. The difference was she had the right tools and she knew what she was doing. It turned out I had the wrong tools and I didn't know anything. Well, money in its proper place is a tool that we can make use of. And our series is A Tale of Two Masters. And last week, Pastor Todd said, master your money before your money masters you. And the big idea that I have for us today is that money makes a great tool and a terrible master. Money makes a great tool. And if we're going to kind of dive into this topic, we have to start with the question of, is money actually a great tool? Because when we look at the Bible, we can think of a lot of warnings that are in the Bible about money. And I wanna uh, start by just looking at one of them. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse 9. And I'm just gonna open it up here. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9, it says, this is the Apostle Paul and he's writing to a young pastor, Timothy. And he says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And so we see Paul mentioning a lot of these dangers, the traps, the desires that we can have for money that could lead us to destruction, to ruin. We can look in the world and we can see the results of people's love for money and the evil things that have grown out of that. We can see how even it can lead us away from faith. This love, this desire for money can lead us away to where we're pierced 
with sorrows. And so if money is a tool, we need to recognize it's a dangerous tool. Money is like a chainsaw. A chainsaw is a tool, Uh, it's not a toy. But if you have the proper training and the proper equipment and you use a chainsaw in the way that it is intended to be used, well then it's not going to be a danger to you or anyone else. Or maybe we should say money is like a car. Do you remember when you first started to drive? And maybe there's some people here, you're just starting out driving. When I first started to drive, I was very aware that if I were to make a mistake behind the wheel of the car, that it could mean life or death. But then what happens? We become comfortable driving. And so we start going a little bit faster and we start to ignore the signs a little bit, even ignoring the warning signs. And then the next thing you know, you're flying down the highway, your kids are arguing in the back, your toddler's dropped a toy, you're trying desperately to get it back to him because he's crying. And then if you're not careful, you could get into a very serious accident. But a car is just a tool. If you use it in its proper way, the way it's meant to be used, then it's not gonna be a danger to you or to anyone else. And so money is a tool. It can be a dangerous tool. We need to not forget that. We need to keep that in mind. Now, when we look at the Gospels and we look at Jesus, we don't see many examples of Jesus using money. And when Jesus does use money, it's in unusual ways. Like uh, somebody came to Peter and said, hey, is Jesus gonna pay his taxes? Is he gonna pay the temple tax? And then Jesus had Peter go and catch a fish, and then in the mouth of that fish was a coin that covered the cost of both Jesus' temple tax and Peter's temple tax. Not exactly an everyday kind of use of money that you and I experience. But when we look at the Gospels, we can definitely see that Jesus was not controlled by money. But Jesus did talk about money a lot. And I want us to look at one of the stories that Jesus told that involve money. And so if you have your Bible, I would love for you to join me in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to go. If you got a Bible app or you got a Bible, I would love for you to join me there. And while you're turning there, let me tell you about some of the other stories that Jesus told that involve money. So Jesus told a story about people who started working at different points of the day and yet they all got paid the same amount. Jesus told a story about a lady who lost some of her money and she spent the day searching her whole house to find what she had lost. Jesus tells stories about people wasting their money and about other people who invested wisely. Jesus tells stories where he's contrasting people who are rich in this life and people who are rich in the life to come. Jesus tells all sorts of stories involving money, involving uh, forgiving debts, Counting the cost, Jesus talked a lot about money. And we're gonna look at one of the stories that he told. There's actually two stories involving money in Luke chapter 16. And we're gonna look at the first one. And it starts in verse one. I'm gonna read it to you. It's in the New Living Translation. And it says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man 
who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. And the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true. The children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Now, this is a challenging story. It's a little bit confusing, and especially at first pass, it can be a little bit tricky for us to understand. Wait, what is Jesus saying? Why is this boss praising and admiring this dishonest rascal? What exactly is going on here? So let's take another look at it. Uh, in this story that Jesus tells, there's two characters. We've got the rich man. We've got the owner. And then we have the manager who works for the rich man. And it comes to the owner's attention that this manager has been wasting the owner's money. And so he decides that he is going to audit the books. He's going to take a real close look at what's going on here. And he is going to fire this manager. Now, if you or I get fired, we have just enough time to put all our stuff in a box and to get out of the building. But here... This guy's got a little window of time in which to work in. And so he starts to look ahead and make a plan for what's going to happen after he's lost his job. And so he begins to change all the things, calling in the clients, changing things to benefit himself so that these people will hook him up after he has lost his job. And when we see this owner coming in and admiring his shrewdness. It's like this boss comes in and he's like, can you believe the nerve of this guy? Can you believe what this guy is doing? Because here's what happens is the owner actually ends up looking generous 
because of what this shifty manager is doing. So he comes off looking generous. So how mad can he really be? And he can't really go back to those clients and say, actually, it was a thousand that you owed me. And actually it was 800. And so he can just kind of shake his head and say like, oh my goodness, I just got to get this guy out of here. Now, what can we learn from this story? What is it that we can take away today? We're talking about how money is a great tool and a terrible master. And our series is about how it's a tale of two masters. Well, here we have a picture of a manager and he has a master, a rich man, an owner. And what I want us to see ourselves as today is I want us to see ourselves as managers that we have a master, right? It's a tale of two masters. We don't wanna be mastered by our money. We want God to be our boss, God to be our master. He is the rich man. He is our provider. And we are managers and we work with what God has provided us with. And so I want you to see yourself as a manager. Now, we're not to be dishonest rascals like the manager in this story, but we do want to see ourselves as managers, or an old-fashioned word would be stewards, that we steward what God has given to us. So God is our master. That's one of the things that we want to pull from this story. See yourself as a manager. Another is this dishonest rascal, he did a good job of looking ahead and coming up with a plan. He recognized, I'm being fired. I don't want to dig ditches. I don't want to beg. I got to figure something out. And so he was looking ahead and planning ahead. And that's what you and I want to be good at. We want to look ahead, not just to tomorrow, not just to planning for retirement or planning for our later years in life, but we want to look ahead even into eternity. And how what we do now with what God has entrusted us with can have an impact even into eternity. We want to look ahead. But just as Jesus said, we're not to be these dishonest rascals. What did he say? That we're to be faithful. Faithful in little things. We're not to be dishonest. We're to be honest. We're to be trustworthy. This is the type of manager that you and I are to be because we recognize that God is our master. Now, what's this story about? Jesus tells us in verse nine. In verse nine, Jesus says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources. Now he continues on, but we're gonna pause there. We're gonna come back to the rest of this verse. But I want us just to see that Jesus is saying, use your worldly resources. Now worldly resources, that can also be translated in older translations as unrighteous mammon. Exactly what Pastor Todd was talking about last Sunday, if you were here and able to hear it, that unrighteous mammon. Here Jesus is telling us to make use of it to use the worldly resources that we have because we are managers and we know who our master is. And the point is when God is our master, money can be our tool. And so we can use the worldly resources that he has given to us, provided us with. So we're to make use of them. Now I wanna pause here and I wanna contrast for us the difference between when money is our master and when money is our tool. 
When we see ourselves with God as our master and we're a manager, and then money becomes our tool, it's very different from when money is mastering us. And so let's compare and contrast a bit between the two. So when money is our tool, we see God as our master, we see that we're a manager, and we're making use of what he's given to us. When money is your tool, you see that money can help you. Tools make things easier. And so money can help you. Money can also benefit others. It can help other people. You can use what you've been given to the benefit of others. And so you see it as a tool you can use. It makes things easier for me. It makes things easier for others. When money is our tool, you can be happy if you have a lot of tools. If you've got a lot of resources to work with, you can be happy. But when money is your tool, if you have few resources, you can still be happy because your happiness is not tied to your money because it's just a tool. And what you have is what God has provided you with and you see him as your master and you see that God is always given you enough. And so that's our perspective when we see money as a tool. I always have enough money. I can have contentment. As the Apostle Paul said, he's learned to be content whether he has a lot or he has a little because money is just a tool. We always have enough because we see God as our provider. And where the Bible uses language like he owns cattle on a thousand hills, that God has more than enough. He is our abundant provider. And so we can say, God, whatever it is that you've given to me, it's enough because it's what you've provided me with. If I need more, you'll give me more. You're my provider. You're my master. I'm simply managing what you have provided me with. Money is a tool. When money is your tool, your view of money gets smaller and smaller. And you see money as being less and less powerful. You start to see the limitations of money and what money can't do for you and what it can't purchase for you. It becomes smaller and smaller because it's just a tool. When money is your tool, you understand money to be the probation for the true riches that God has for you. In verse 11, Jesus said, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? But if we are trustworthy with what God has given to us, we recognize there's something greater. There are true riches that God has for us. Money is just a tool when God is our master. But what about when money is our master? When money is mastering us. When money is your master, you worry about money. We worry about money a lot. That's why Jesus had to tell us multiple times in Matthew chapter six, not to worry, because we're really good at worrying about money. When money is your master, there's never enough. In Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10, it says, those who love money will never have enough. And the problem is that when we, if I don't have enough, if I see that there's lack, how can I give? 
If there's never enough for me, how can I give to you when I never have enough? When money is your master, it seems like everyone wants to get a piece of your money. Everywhere you look, there's another ask. There's another hand that's out. Somebody else is trying to get at your money when money is your master. And your view of money gets larger and larger. And we see money as being more and more powerful. And when we see money as getting bigger and bigger and more and more powerful, well, then how could I give it away? How could I give away something that is that big and something that is that powerful? And when money is our master, we become more suspicious of how other people use their money. Well, what do they need that for? And what are they gonna do with that? Because we see it as being so big and so powerful. And we're thinking all the time about, man, if only I had money, think of what I could do. If I just had enough, if I just had more, man, what an impact I could make. It gets bigger and bigger. Because we see everybody is coming after our money, we isolate ourselves when money is our master. We withdraw from other people. And we're very aware of what other people are doing with their money and we feel pushed to keep up with the Joneses, to keep up appearances when money is our master. When money is our master, our worth and importance and effectiveness is tied up in how much money we have. And the end of the road, when money is our master, the end of the road is that we despise God. And so we want to see ourselves as stewards, as managers, where God is our master and where money can be our tool, a great tool, a terrible master. When money is our tool, when God is our master, what is it that we're to do with our money. Jesus says in verse nine, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources. Use it to benefit others and to make friends. That we are to use our money to the benefit of others. And when we do that, we're gonna make friends. We need to recognize that that's going to have an eternal impact. That what we do now with our worldly resources can stretch even into Eternity. And so then the next question becomes, well, who are we to benefit? If I'm to use my money to the benefit of others, well, who is that for? Now, our culture and the world around us will tell us that we need to use what we have to benefit ourselves and to benefit our families and that we're trying to you use what you have to build friendships and relationships with people who have power and influence who then can help you. It's like in the story, the manager, he calls in people and he says, hey, I'm gonna scratch your back so then you'll scratch my back. That's how the world works and says, hey, this is what you're to do. You're to benefit yourself and use it to get into with relationship with people in power and influence who then can help you. But when we look at the biblical view of who are we to benefit, we see things like earlier in Luke, we're looking at Luke 16 and Luke 12, 
Jesus says that we're to sell our possessions and give to those in need. When we look at what the Bible says about who are we to benefit, we're to benefit those who are in need, those who have less than we have. We're to benefit the poor. We're to benefit the oppressed. And so in James chapter one, it talks about true religion being helping the orphan and the widow, helping those who in a first century context weren't able to provide for themselves. And so Christian brothers and sisters, the church stepped in to benefit them, to provide for them. And so we wanna see ourselves as managers who God has entrusted worldly resources to and we use them to benefit others, to benefit those in need. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, when he talks about selling your possessions and giving to those in need, he says, this will store up treasure for you in heaven. It'll have an eternal impact. It's an eternal investment. Just as he says in the story that we're talking about, it's gonna have friendships. When you're a generous person, if you fall on hard times, people will want to be generous with you. But also it has an eternal impact that in this life, we can have friendships impact into people's lives. The poor, those in need, those who have less than ourselves that can impact and stretch even into eternity. And so we wanna be good at looking ahead. But it leads us to the next question. Why do we do this? I mean, we do it because Jesus told us to do it. And we do it because, you know, we want to leave the world a better place than we found it. You know, we, we do it because, you know, we want to be good people and it's good to help other people. And we know that. But why do we continue to do this even when times are hard? How is it that we can continually be motivated to give and to benefit those in need when we just keep seeing more and more needs and where our tools, our resources, our money doesn't seem to go as far as it used to? How do we continue to be motivated to give and to benefit others? When we look at the story of the manager, and what happened with the manager is the boss started paying attention. And the manager was held accountable for what he did with the boss's resources. There was an audit. And you and I need to remind ourselves that one day we will be audited. One day we will stand before Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he writes to the church in Corinth and he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 5 and he says, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. 
I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And this is what motivates us to continue to give, to continue to use our worldly resources to benefit others is because we recognize all these different people that we can give to, these different groups of people, the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, those in prison, that when we're doing it for the least of these, we're doing it unto Jesus. And so that's what needs to motivate us when another person comes looking for help, when there's another need that we see that we're doing it for Jesus. That we're gonna be held accountable for what God has given to us. And so because of this, this is why as managers, we're gonna be those who are faithful, honest and trustworthy with what God has given to us. He is our master. And so I want you to see yourself that you are a righteous steward who looks ahead and is meeting needs as if you were ministering to Jesus. That is who we are. That is who we are called to be because he's our master and money is our tool. And so we're not those who are gonna be enslaved to money. Let's pause and just look at the last verse that we read in Luke chapter 16 and in verse 14, the response of the middle-class Pharisees who were listening to Jesus And their response in verse 14, it says, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. And I read one commentator that said, we ridicule what we can't refute. We scoff at what we don't have an argument against. And that's exactly where the Pharisees were. They couldn't debate Jesus on this. They didn't have an argument to stand on. And so all they were left with was ridicule scoffing, blowing it off, not taking it seriously, not actually listening. And these people who wanted nothing more than to know God and to follow all of his rules are listening to the son of God and not receiving what he has to say. They scoff. And so we wanna look at and examine our own response to hear what Jesus would say. Do we see money as a great tool and a terrible master. But we recognize that money is a dangerous tool, the love of money, the traps, the pitfalls, that we can easily be pierced with sorrow. And so I wanna give us two things for us to watch out for. As we are managers, as we wanna say, money 
is my tool and God is my master. There's two things that I want us to watch out for. One is the question of, well, what do I do when I don't have very many tools? You know, I don't have a lot to work with. I I don't have a lot of tools. How can I still give and be generous when it just seems like I just don't have very much? And years ago, I was in Haiti and they had a shipping container that was sent from North America down to this rural part of Haiti uh, where we were. And in that shipping container, there was all sorts of stuff. It was packed full and most of it could just kind of be hand bailed out of this shipping container. But at the very back, there was a 4,000 pound generator. And, you know, in North America, it'd be pretty simple. You just get the forklift and you just lift it off the back of the truck. There was no power lift or anything like that. You'd be done in like 10 seconds. But this was rural Haiti and they didn't have any of those tools. The tools that they had to work with were trees and logs and ropes and manpower. And I watched these Haitian men work so hard and so diligently to move this 4,000 pound generator to the edge of the truck and then using the only tools that they had to lift it out. And it was the most thrilling and terrifying thing I have ever seen. I was convinced that it was gonna come crashing down. I mean, it came all the way from North America. This thing was pretty expensive and I was so nervous, but I watched them get it all the way safely to the ground. It was incredible. Why did they do that? They did not let their lack of tools stop them because they saw the value in that generator. They were motivated because they knew what that generator was going to do for that campus. And you and I, we need to have that motivation to see the true riches that God has for us, that there's something greater than our money. When God is our master and money is our tool, God has something greater for us. And that when we're meeting needs and we're giving to those who are in need, we're doing it as unto Jesus. And that keeps us motivated. That keeps us with an open hand, willing to give. And so we can't let our lack of tools stop us from doing what God has called us to do. And then the second thing that we need to guard against is skepticism and cynicism. You know, we've all heard about charities misusing funds, or we can come up with all sorts of excuses. I am a master at coming up with excuses and reasons for why I don't really need to give. And I don't know, are they really in need? We can start to come up with all sorts of reasons and ideas to try to get around what God has asked us to do. But I cannot allow skepticism or cynicism to keep me from being obedient to God. So we need to guard against these. We need to be very aware and look at all these things because when we see in the story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25, that there's a second part to that story where it says, then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. 
When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And so what is it that I'm gonna say when I stand before Jesus? Well, you see, Jesus, I'm from Canada and they take a lot of our money for taxes that fund social programs. And really, isn't that enough? No, I wanna err on the side of generosity. If I'm gonna make a mistake, it's gonna be that I'm gonna be too generous. I want to be obedient. I wanna show that God is my master and money is not my master, it's a tool. And so as I've been preparing uh, this week for this message, there's some questions that keep coming up, some questions I keep having to ask myself. And I want us to consider, would you ask yourself these questions? These are what I'm asking myself today. Do I see myself as a manager? Am I looking ahead? Not to tomorrow, not to retirement, not to my later years in life. Am I looking into eternity? Am I investing in eternal things? Am I storing up treasures in heaven? Am I helping the least of these? Am I faithful, honest, and trustworthy with my master's money? Who is benefiting from the resources that God has entrusted to me? But the apostle Paul, he writes, to the church in Corinth, I wanna read one last scripture to us. This is what the apostle Paul says. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Our story today is about a rich man, an owner. And Jesus is the rich man. Jesus is the owner. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the judge who became poor so that by his poverty, you and I could become rich, rich in grace, rich in mercy, rich in forgiveness. And so the hope for us today is that there is grace for us. There is mercy. There is forgiveness for us that we can fall on the feet of Jesus and say, God, I want you to be my manager. I want money to be my tool that we can look at where money has got its hooks in us, where we can look at all the excuses that we can come up with and we can say, God, I'm sorry. God, would you forgive me? God, I'm gonna use what you've given me to benefit others. Amen.